Hello folks and welcome to another episode of the Calm Within the Storm podcast with me, your host, Sam Lyon. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at the ways in which we can move forward with our lives following a difficult experience and how we can learn to recognise our achievements and our progress along the way. Today I'm joined by Arthur West. Arthur is an incredibly talented pianist. Okay, hi Arthur. How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm very well. Yeah? Very well. Thank you. The right day to come and do this, I'm feeling energised. Amazing. I'm looking forward to it. We're gonna spill all the all the bad thoughts now and ruin that lovely mood. It's all gonna come out. (laughs) going to project it onto your audience. <laughs> well, Take it out of me. We're here to fix it, yeah. so hopefully. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but first, could you give us a little introduction as to who you are, what your, I guess, brief experience and relationship with uh, today's topic of moving forward? I mean, that's a very big question, I get that. So kind of, what's been your journey in brief terms so far? Right, I'll try and summarise it. <laughs> summarise. So, my name's Arthur. I'm a pianist, singer. I'm an entertainer like Sam. Although I don't have a amazing back catalogue of recordings like <laughs> you do and albums and stuff. But, yeah, I, I do work all over the UK. I play in piano bars, hotels. I do the private parties. I do all the lively stuff. I do the quiet stuff. And I'm here today... <laughs> Because being an artist can be an up and down experience, and I ex- and I learned that the past few years. Um, I've lived in London. I've, you know, done that scene, and that can be very up and down. And also, uh, the biggest thing for me was uh, coming out of a relationship while I was in London with another creative person, and um, it kind of devastated me. So. I had to learn a lot about myself again, how to be an artist, how to be authentic mm-hmm. and how to also remember what I actually like doing, what I like about myself um, and then trying to embrace that without treading into narcissism and getting too self-obsessed, yeah. which is another thing about being an artist. It's it's a precarious balance. Uh-huh. So... Yeah, I've been walking that line for a while and just trying to figure out, okay, you know, what's what do I like about me? But how do I not, you know, how do I care for other people? And how uh-huh. do I be a better person for them? And that's been instrumental in, you know, getting me where I am today, which is hopefully in a happier place. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. I think especially with artistic jobs, there's a lot of balance, a lot of balance involved. You've, you've got the balance of kind of like competitiveness versus comparativeness. Like you want to kind of be on par with everyone else, but you sort of still want to outdo everyone else, but you don't want to outdo everyone else too much. And <laughs> it's such a difficult, yeah, it's it's a, a real roller coaster. That, that's it. That's, I would describe my last relationship in that way and my career, which maybe says something about me. There's something about us as creatives. There's a madness in there. Yeah, I, I agree. Some, some kind of craving, yeah, for... A little bit of crazy life and I certainly attracted that into my life Mm -hmm. and it was amazing 
the highs are the best yeah. or the lows are the worst. Yeah. And I can embrace that in a career. Would I embrace that in a future partner? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Yeah. I'd want, I'd need something a bit more stable. But all of it is a lesson and I don't regret any anything like mm-hmm. that. I'm sure as you don't with the you know, the gigs and the lifestyle. It's, uh, you know, you take the good and the bad and yeah, you, know, you run with it. And the highs are amazing when it comes to music and being a performer. Yeah. I was just telling someone recently, actually, in terms of the job, we get so much feedback, like, at, at the job. We're quite lucky in that we get so much direct feedback. And mm-hmm. a lot, most of it is good, generally. Yeah. Most people want to say nice things. Yeah. But it also means you get some people that want to tell you, can yeah. we swear on the podcast that thing? <laughs> if you want to swear go ahead yeah. do you want to come up to you and just say your <laughs> shit so the summary of my 15 years of learning to play and sing is summarised in one word for some people and they'll come up to you and want to tell you that Yeah. and that's something you have to you know, learn to live with and that's the low amongst other things yeah. amongst the, that's the low yeah. that you, you always come back to as well mm-hmm. I think whenever you you have a low like a drop at any point you always think about what someone said five years ago what what you did mm. yesterday like all of the all of the niggling things you it's so hard to forget about those things yeah it's it can stick to you and i think again being creative types well maybe it happens to all types but creative types are sensitive souls mm-hmm. and you take you give a lot out and you take a lot more in so the negative can hit you yeah and you know, the comments can go, you know, and sometimes you develop thick skin and that's that's important. But yeah, overall, I'd say that you're taking in a lot more. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm not going to get spiritual on you, but <laughs> a lot more energy and you're giving out a lot more. Yeah, totally. And I think that's something that I enjoy about it because whatever I'm doing, I'm giving people something mm-hmm. and hopefully you get that back in, in spades. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. And um, I guess with all of that in mind... In terms of how how we progress through life, I guess coming back to the to the moving forward as a general, it encompasses like a whole a whole range of of not just navigating the highs and the lows, but also mm-hmm. how we can stabilize our thoughts so that when those highs and lows come, it's not quite as drastic. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest things. For me, if I think about about it, moving forward isn't always a, a clear process. It's not always what we expect it to be, I think, because in our heads, we imagine it to be a light switch moment where we it, it's an immediate fix and we kind of go, okay, I'll, 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 one day I'll feel better or I just need to get through this hard bit and then I'll be okay. You know, there's always, it's almost like we talk about it like there's a sudden, a sudden light switch moment, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's not like that. And it can take years before we even realise, oh, hang on a minute, I am in, in the light side of the, of the tunnel now, you know? Like, I didn't even notice that there'd been a change. It's like watching a child grow. I mean, you can't quite see it happening before your eyes, but one minute they've gone from being a baby to being almost a, a fully functioning, emotionally capable human and you haven't even been able to see that, you know, happen straight away in front of you. Like, it's the same thing with mental health, I think. It's, 
totally agree with that. I think it's a good way to put it is that it's it's almost intangible, but it does happen and it's a process. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, like you've experienced over the past years uh, with grief mm -hmm. and it doesn't just, I mean, someone put it to me, I think it was my sister and um, she said she'd read something on grief and how you grow around it. Yeah. You don't just forget it and you yeah. build on it. And that is not an instantaneous process. I mean, it might go on for a long, long time, but the the process of doing it is, yeah, it's very hard to measure, very hard to measure your progress. But I think yeah. it's important on that note to celebrate your victories because, yeah. you know, I reached a point like that recently, which is why I got in touch. Because <laughs> I was like, you know what, I'm ready to talk about some of these things. Yeah. And it was two years since I split up with my ex-partner and it had taken that long to I wouldn't say fully heal but to really be suddenly um, content in who I am again yeah. and I was I was quite frustrated by that mm -hmm. how did it take two years you know she could be gallivanting off you know with someone else or whatever but all of that aside I realized that that's just what it took and some of the circumstances within it which I could get into led to that and I had to understand that and uh, respect the, the mental health things that were going on beforehand mm -hmm. and realise that it took a long time to get there but yeah. I could be counting the days and um, all the time put into trying to fix it. That yeah. was my thing as a, I'm going to say as a creative again, but as an obsessive, which is something yeah. that I am, I'm very obsessive about things. I think it's why I'm good at certain things. I'm very ignorant of other things because yeah. I'm just, I don't know if you can relate to that. Um, it helps with creative yeah. tasks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it crippled me when it came to recovering from a separation mm -hmm. because I obsessed over winning her back. Yeah. I obsessed over what she was doing. I obsessed yeah. over what I was doing in comparison. Yeah. And then I obsessed over... Um, healing from it. Something that I I came across as well that I don't know if you know. There's a lady called Zoe Clark Coates. She's like a counselor, kind of author. Does all so okay. she did like a grief book, which really helped right. me when I lost right. my dad. But something that she made a point of, in terms of this kind of response etiquette, sort of how you can help people, was not just offering help but offering practical support and and I really I'm fully on board with this because it's really easy for people to say call me if you need anything I'm always here if you need help yeah. and to you saying that it might be a real sincere thing like I really want to help this person but to the person taking that in it could feel really insincere because it's so hard to reach out for help it's so hard to go well yeah actually i do need you to help me yeah, no. well, i didn't mean it yeah it's, it's just <laughs> that's, that's really say, okay. <laughs> and so her her idea or her one of her concepts is by offering practical support that isn't just the offer of i'm i'm here from a distance you know give me a wave it's I'm going to come and I'm going to take you out for a walk or I'm going to come and do the dishes for you whilst okay. you're feeling bad. Right. And it just right. lifts a burden, a physical, practical 
burden from that person. It gets mm-hmm. them out of the house or it gets one thing off their shoulders, that one less thing for them to think about. And that is a another type of support that maybe they didn't even know they needed, but in the long run it will help. Again, not always, not always, but a lot of the time it's easier for someone to accept a physical help than it is to to say to someone I need help you know that's a really good point and and thought about how significant it is Mm -hmm. but a lot of these things that we have to do are physical yeah excuse me just like the um the jobs around the house whatever and I yeah I can relate to that and it's a huge help to have someone take a job off your house and um yeah so after I moved out of London, I moved into lodge with my sister and we both have our mental health struggles and sometimes they are not helpful. They don't mm-hmm. coexist. It's very hard. Yeah. Two people dealing with stuff. Yeah. But then when one of us is stronger, we have helped each other and that's been immensely helpful. And I mean, she's amazing at making the bruise. Yeah. <laughs> so I can literally be just like, just out for the count with, with depression. Yeah. And, uh, but it's a just lack that of one mobility. Little, but little, she'll come yeah. and sort me out. And then there's, um, you know, and vice versa, mm-hmm. hopefully. I think I do. But, yeah, those physical acts of, um, yeah, just taking something off your hands. Yeah. Someone did it for me recently when I got a huge car bill. And my other sister and brother-in-law. And they, I didn't expect it. And I had a, you see my old car on the front. <laughs> it's a classic and I love it, but it cost me a lot this year. Because uh, I had a head gasket. So they, yeah, they just sent me like the money for that job, which was huge. I didn't expect that, but it really massively helped me. Yeah. You know, and I'm not One saying everyone has to start about. giving me, <laughs> in fact, that sounds like an endorsement of send your depressed friend money, <laughs> keep sending it them. But um, no, you know, so whatever it is, like my friend Mike, who goes through his troubles, maybe I shouldn't name people, but um, yeah, Mike. You know, if it's just taking a Nando's in a background and playing an online game. Yeah. You know, sometimes that can kick him into gear and vice versa. Like, yeah. You know. So, I, yeah, it's, not, it's nice to hear of a descriptor for that. Cause it's, yeah, yeah. I really, really like that. I mm. really, really like that. And I'm actually going to use that to, to lead into the next poll question. Smooth. <laughs> uh, and the question was this. During difficult periods, what best sums up your previous experiences regarding offers of support? So, the options were, people don't always know how to help. People offer help, but don't actually help. People mostly talk about it with me. Or people mostly offer practical help or support, like we've just discussed. And the highest percentage came in... 41% 41% said people don't know how to help. Mm-hmm. Massive thing, massive thing. The next one at 31% was people offer help but don't actually help, which is, I guess, like we've just discussed, it's that, it's the, the action of saying, call me if you need anything. The empty gesture. Yeah, yeah. the empty gesture. Let's yeah. name it. No. Yeah, no, absolutely, good name. Uh, 19% said people mostly talk about it with me. And 9% said people offer practical help or support. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's 
quite extreme stats. Yeah. I mean, the one of not knowing how to help. I think there's a good reason for that, and that's because a lot of people don't understand how to, as yeah. we've talked about. Yeah. But also, a lot of these things can trigger people. So a lot of hearing about what you're going through will trigger their own, you know, go into that in psychology, the trauma. Yeah. And they will reject the idea the notion of wanting to deal with that just like any of us like if you know there might be something on your mind that you know you don't want to talk about because it's it's a stress that you have to deal with you know I haven't done my vocal warm-ups in three days so if you start going on about vocal warm-ups now I'm going to feel a little bit insecure maybe yeah. but I don't know there's just things I notice with people where you might mention like um you know say if it's in a like a guy who's you know quite a few generations older than me might not want to talk about emotions because that's not something that they did yeah. like in the 60s 70s 80s whatever so i think that's a one reason for it um but yeah what do you think yeah i i, I kind of agree that there is still somewhat of a generational line mm-hmm. somewhere But I I think as well, I think we've still got a massive way to go in terms of making mental health less of a taboo. Mm -hmm. Because I think the moment you, you almost say those words, it's almost like everyone around you starts treading on eggshells because they don't know how to navigate it. And they don't know what to say to you or they don't know I, I people just don't know what to do and and like we said before unless you've been there and you've done it yourself and you've experienced this thing and you can relate to this person and you can offer some kind of support in terms of what you went through with that kind of advice unless you've experienced it a lot of us don't have a clue what to say I mean if no. you before I'd lost my dad if you'd come to me and said I've just lost a parent help me or I I wouldn't even know what to say to you because we're not at any point are we taught that kind of support in schools we're not taught any kind of psychological support in general at any point that's a good point there you know that I could criticize the schooling system all day but <laughs> it's yeah big thing is not knowing what to expect and yeah and that's why you can't get annoyed at someone not knowing how to help you mm-hmm. um, or it's not productive to get annoyed at them because they do, might not have the know-how yeah. and you know I had tried to console someone who had lost a child you know before birth kind of like yeah. they didn't gone through that and I was like well I can't say anything to do with knowing how they feel because it's of course not I don't have the concept yeah. so I just had to offer reassurance, yeah. general reassurance. And that's useful to a degree, but yeah, I was useless to that, yeah. probably. Yeah. I don't know, maybe not useless, but I wasn't someone super close, but I felt like, yeah. I think a good place to start is almost asking someone what their their support uh, or what's the word I'm trying to think of their communication technique is almost like love language Mm -hmm. is your love language like words of affection is it actions is it gifts I think that also is 
compatible with mental health. Not in a relationship sense, but when someone is struggling, do they want you to do an action of support? Do they just need you to tell them things are gonna be okay? Do they need to talk at you and they just need an ear? I think f identifying what someone's method of coping is, that will get you way further than just going, okay, I I'm gonna try and help you with the way that I know how, you know? Because we all wanna yeah. do that, but we all have different ways of coping. And I, I very much learned this when I lost my dad because the only person really in my life at this point was Mason. And me and Mason, as we discovered, have very different ways of coping. And in a very highly intense, pressured circumstance like losing a parent, that is put to the test. You know, you both go into your own coping mechanism and you both try and throw that onto each other. And his is taking himself away to kind of process what's going on and just having space to to deal with things whereas I can't be left on my own and I don't want to be left on my own I want someone with me as a distraction and so it was almost like magnets kind of you know yeah, yeah. repelling each other and, and but everything that he would try and do I'd just be like it's all wrong it's all wrong you're not doing it right I don't, I don't want any support if you're gonna offer the wrong support yeah, yeah. and it really pushed us apart from each other like in a in a terrible way right. until it came to one night we sat and we just talked and talked and, and it was a case of what do you want from me I'm gonna listen I'm actually gonna listen actively listen not just I'm gonna listen to what you have to say and then tell you what my response to that is mm -hmm. it was I'm gonna actively listen and then figure out a way that we can maneuver this that's going to benefit us both and we must have talked for about seven hours and it was the best conversation I think I've ever had because going forward now that we've not even had a hiccup as such it's wow. just brilliant because we both know now each other's coping technique we both know each other's communication technique and even so much as telling each other to take the bins out, we know how to approach that topic to be in a nice way, you know? Yeah, that's brilliant that you, you went through that, that process. Yeah, a that hard process, but... Yeah, I mean, it so sounds like hard. a crash course that you went through. <laughs> Seven hours, just sit down, get yeah. it all out. Yeah. But no, it's true, and people... It's, I think one of the most important things is to remember what the other person wants. And I remember yeah. a great book for that is Dale Carnegie. Okay. Is a how to win friends, influence people. Really old book. I think, yeah, I think but I've read It's great this. for learning those basic lessons and you have to reread it as well because yeah. you, they slip away. But yeah, the thing about having different styles or thinking about what the other person might need. Now, I used to be really bad at that. I used to be bad at listening. Mm -hmm. And that's why another thing I took from dealing with depression was the, my, um, my own flaws, mm -hmm. my own faults because they were laid bare mm -hmm. and I had to look at them I didn't want to but I had to and go okay so what what was I in, in this relationship what was I good at but what was I bad at and a lot of things came up but it was that thing of something I noticed like as you guys you said you dealt with those things differently it was like in the lockdown we dealt with things um we our partner dealt with things um in very different ways so she was outwardly depressed mm. and didn't know what to do and so but 
I didn't realise I was as well. But just yeah. with the situation now, not not to the degree that I have been. Like I don't think I was chemically imbalanced at that point, but everyone had some kind of, um, you know, low during the lockdown. Well, I say that sweeping statement, maybe not, but I think I experienced it differently, dealt with it differently. I buried my head in hobbies and projects, and yeah. you know, I was practicing my boogie boogie piano and. I, yeah, I had this Lego buying obsession and I, I just did my own thing. But like Mason, I was happy in my own space, but I wasn't supportive because of that. Yeah. And she needed me to be there as a support. And in her words at the time were, should be us against the world. And I was, I was totally, that was alien to me. I was like, I don't want it to be against mm-hmm. the world. It's just a different, I think she meant it's support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to me, I interpreted that at the time as everyone else is wrong and we have to be a unit in spite of everyone else. Now, I'm very family-orientated. So to think that my partnership or my relationship would exclude anyone, but that's just how I interpreted it. She just probably wanted support, but, yeah, different ways of doing things. But then I didn't realise until I was writing about it that I was like, oh, we were both depressed, though I didn't admit it or didn't know. So she felt like the... The sick one, let's say, yeah, and that really isolated her, yeah, because you know, no one wants to feel like they're going well. In in terms of if you don't talk about mental health a lot, going crazy, yeah. So she felt like she was going crazy, and I didn't know what to do. I tried to help. I was like, "Well, look, I've researched some therapists. You know, we'll we'll take you soon." Yeah. Like, how could it be more isolating? And really, the truth is that we both needed it in a different way. Yeah. I don't know about you and Mason. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it comes down to to that. A lot of how we can support other people is literally learning. Or even if you don't, if you don't have the time to learn, if it's maybe someone who isn't necessarily a close friend, it's just perhaps an acquaintance that you're having a deep conversation mm-hmm. with. There's no harm in asking. You know how 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 can I help or how even I think that's maybe too much of an open ended question sometimes because I didn't have a clue. How, how, what help I needed. But I think maybe if someone said, do you want me to listen or do you want to talk or something that was like, I could say yes or no to and not give a, an open answer. I think open answers, I had no idea. Yeah, because I think if someone just said maybe, um, how do you want me to do this? It almost sounds a little bit it's too... It's overwhelming. It's a, yeah, and it's overwhelming and you don't really have an answer. Yeah. And it's also like, it almost feels impersonal as well. Because yeah. this person saying, how would you like me to apply myself to the situation? It's a bit yeah. unnatural maybe. Yeah. So I don't know, I don't want to slag off that idea entirely. But it's uh, it's maybe a bit more intuitive. Like, yeah, for me now, I know the lesson. Thanks again for listening, for participating and for helping us raise awareness of mental health as a whole. I hope you can join us next time on the Calm Within the Storm podcast. See you soon. Thank you for tuning in. If you'd like to listen to the extended version of today's episode, head to samlionmusic.com and become a member. It's completely free and you'll have access to the full-length video editions of each episode.